And just like that, it's Tuesday. This is Tuesday, November the 24th, 2020. Hi, this is Bob Rowe. Welcome to the Best Old Time Radio Podcast. I'm here with my companion, Chester, who's over there on the board. And we welcome you to this Tuesday, because on Tuesdays, we have a drama. And we've got a good one lined up today. So we hope that uh, you're having a great day, that you've had a great day so far. I know that for most of you, you're going to be having some days off this week, so maybe you're uh, getting ready for that now. Maybe you have to work tomorrow and get off Thursday and Friday. Whatever the case might be, I hope that uh, you just have a few minutes you can spend with us to go over there in that big easy chair and put your feet up and relax a little bit. Ah, yeah. Maybe have a little snack there, a little something to drink, and just let the concerns of the day leave you. Because we're going to come back at you in just a moment with a great old-time radio drama. of Nightbeat. It was originally broadcast on NBC back in February of 1950, February the 27th to be exact. This one features Frank Lovejoy. It also has Gene Banks, Paul DeBov, and Georgia Ellis. It uh, is entitled Girl in the Park. And I don't know, tell me what you think. I, it, it's kind of an intriguing story. Uh, it's written a little heavy-handed. You'll notice at the beginning where he talks about the colors of the night. It seems a little heavy to me. Nonetheless, Frank Lovejoy is really good in this character. And of course, he is a beat writer for a major Chicago newspaper, and his beat is the night beat. And he writes not just about crime, but about people of the night. And so this premise allowed the story to go off into some pretty unique directions. And this is a good example tonight. So here we go from 
February 27, 1950. Here's Frank Lovejoy and Nightbeat and The Girl in the Park. Night Beat. Hi, this is Randy Stone. I cover the Night Beat for the Chicago Star. Stories start many different ways. This one started, strangely enough, with the flame of a match whose feeble glow lit up a lightened face in the darkness, a frightened face twisted by an agonizing fear of death. Night Beat, starring Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. The night is a thief, some poet once wrote, that steals the colors from the day. It's kind of pretty if you like words, but for my doll, they're not exactly true. Because there are colors at night. The burning red of passion, the angry green of jealousy, and the ugly, terrifying black of fear. This was one of those nights when pickings were slim. I'd cover the town from Henrici's Bar in the Mart, out to Hyler's on the North Shore and back downtown again with nothing to show for it. I was taking a shortcut through Lincoln Park to pick up my car. At that time of night, the park was pretty deserted, except for this girl walking up ahead of me. Not a bad silhouette, I might add, against the distant light. We were about halfway through the park when suddenly she stopped and threw herself onto a bench at the side of the path. There was something almost desperate about the way she did it. I ran up to her. Excuse me, are you all right? Yes, I'm all right. Well, I thought maybe you were sick or something. I told you I'm all right. Will you please let me alone? Oh, now look, lady, it's not what you think. I, uh, well, this park at this time of night, it's no place for a girl to sit around by herself. I don't need any help. Just go away. Oh, sure, sure. I'll get lost. I can see you're all right. Only you don't mind if I just sit here and smoke a cigarette before I go. It's a public park. I don't care what you do. Thank you. You care for a cigarette? No. Of course, in order to really enjoy a smoke, you've got to have a match first. <laughs> I said in order to enjoy a smoke, you've got I to... heard you. Here. Thank you. Here. Keep the book. No, no, you better hang on to these. I won't need them. Well, you might need them later tonight. After tonight, I won't need anything. Oh, now, wait a minute. That's no way to talk. The only time you're not going to need anything, sister, is after you're dead. Why did you say that? What? Not about being dead. For no reason. Why? Because after tonight, I will be. The girl jumped up and started running. Here was a kid that was afraid. Afraid of death or afraid of life. But then, isn't everybody? I turned the matchbook over and looked at the ad on the cover. Penguin Club. A little all-night jump and jive place over on Clark Street. That's one I've been missing lately. On a hunch, I ambled up North Avenue in that general direction, turned up Clark a ways, and there it was. It was good to get inside out of that wind. 
Pack your hat and coat, mister? No, thanks. I'm just looking around. Can I get you a table? It's almost the end of the floor show. Well, anywhere in the back will be all right. Okay. The hat check girl, hostess or whatever she was, walked me through the bar to the edge of the main room. And then I stopped and really did a take. Out in the middle of the dance floor, under a little baby spot singing in front of a five-piece band, was Little Miss Desperate from the park. Nice voice, don't you think? Yeah, yeah. Who is she? Oh, that's Franny. Fran Fowler. Haven't you been in here before? Not for quite a few months. Of course, she hadn't got much experience yet. From out of town, hmm? Someplace over in Wisconsin. Not bad looking, huh? Mm. In everything. Hey, what's wrong with her? Gee, I don't know. I can't. Well, how do you like that? Come on, folks. Come on. Let's give the little girl a great big hand. Nothing like a real sad song to wind up a real sad act. Especially for a real sad tomato type tomato. Nah, 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 nah. It's all in fun. So let's dance now. Come on, you lucky guys and girls. Hiya, Peggy. You got some alive one, huh? Hello, Tommy. <laughs> this is Tommy Mason. Ain't he the one? Yes, yes. He's quite the one, all right. Gee, Tommy, you, you sure covered up with Franny, all right. Never let down. Keep him going all the time. That's show business. You know how it is, mister. Oh, yes, yes. I've heard the show must go on. It's a new thing. Uh, you got to keep him laughing. Honest, <laughs> 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 mister. He's this way all the time. What a joker. Oh, uh, look, about that girl. Franny? Yeah, Franny. What seems to be the trouble? Well, that's hard to say, pal. Maybe she just found out she ain't no dinosaur, and she sure ain't. Tommy, <laughs> <laughs> you killed me. Uh, seriously, fella. <laughs> fella, why would a girl break up that way in the middle of her number and start to cry? Ah, uh, could be she got a cinder in her eye. But just to make sure, I'll go ask her. See you later, Tommy. Come on, fella. How's about buying a girl a drink? Oh, sure, sure, in a minute. Um, about this Franny. Look, do we have to talk about her? I, I thought you came in here for some fun. Maybe I get my fun wondering about people. What time's the next floor show? Next one's at two, then four. Oh, they're not kidding about this all-night business. And still another one at daylight. She's singing all of them? How should I know? She missed most of the 12 o'clock show. Just got here for that last number. Any idea where she lives? A room in house around an eerie street. Know the number? 391. You know you ask an awful lot of questions. <laughs> well, that's my business. I'm a reporter, Randy Stone. I might have known it. Look, you're, you're not going to bother her tonight, are you? Of all nights? Tonight? This is the night that Charlie Dane is being executed down at Joliet. What's that got to do with her? Well, how would you feel? Look, Mr. Stone, she's human. This is the night her boyfriend's going to die. <laughs> I went up to the front of the bar to a phone booth and called the paper. There was something about this in the back of my mind somewhere. Something I ought to remember but couldn't. I had the girl on the board put me through to Gabby in the library. Library. Oh, hello, Gabby. This is Randy. Yeah, Randy. Uh, what have you got on the Charlie Dana case? Still a little early, Randy. Execution's not set until 1.30. No, no. I mean old stuff. Oh, I got the file right here, Randy. Dug it out earlier for background. Good. Anything on a girl named Fran Fowler? Yeah, let's see. Charlie Dana, small-time gambler, killed a guy named Tonelli. Oh, yes, yes. I remember that. A gambling beat. Execution originally set for November, but he got a couple of months' stay. Oh, here she is, Fran Fowler. Singer in a nightclub. Was 
Supposed to be his alibi, but the DA blew her up on the witness stand. She admitted she wasn't positive about when she'd been out with the guy. Oh, yeah, yeah, that was it. I knew it was something. Anything more? Oh, details, Randy, details. Okay, Gabby, thanks. I'll catch up with you. Oh, Mason. Excuse me, were you waiting to use the phone? Uh, no, I was uh, waiting to talk to you. Why, certainly, but this time, no jokes, if you don't mind. I'm expecting a headache. <laughs> You're not funny, Stone. Who are you talking to? Well, isn't that uh, kind of my business? Uh, Peggy says you're a reporter. Yes, of a sort. You were asking about Fran, where she lived? That's right. You gotta let her alone, see? You printed enough about her. Uh, just a minute, Mason. Those are my lapels that you're hanging on to. Peggy shouldn't have given you Fran's address. I don't want you bothering her. I said let go of my lapels, funny man, or something's liable to explode in your face. <laughs> Now, you stay out of my way or I'll ruffle that shiny hair. Where are you going? See about a cinder in a lady's eye. You're not going to see her. I won't let you. Can't you see? This whole thing's driving her crazy. Tommy, believe me, I'm not interested in harming her or anyone. I'm just a guy trying to do a job. Now, if you'll step out of my way... You're not going there. I won't let you. I won't let you. Sorry, but you ask for it. My, my, that's a real nervous fellow. Now that he'd made such an issue out of it, going around to see Fran follow was a definite must on my schedule. I picked up my car and drove over to Erie Street. 391 wasn't much different from any of the rest of the rooming houses on the block. I got the number of her room from the mailbox and started down the dingy corridor to room 8. I knocked at the door, but there was no answer. I knocked again, and then I smelled gas. Hey, anyone in there? Miss Fowler! Fran! I put my shoulder to the door and the flimsy lock snapped open. I rushed into the gas-filled room holding my breath until I could smash open a window and let in some air. And then I saw Fran Fowler, the girl from the park, lying across the bed. And on the table beside her, one of those two burner gas stoves with both jets wide open. I turned them off and started shaking the girl. Miss Fowler, Franny, come on, get up. You gotta get out of here. Look, am I gonna have to carry you? Put me down. You little fool, this room is filled with gas. My, my purse. Where? On the table. <laughs> okay, I've got it. Oh. Fine thing with a gun in it. Give that to outside, me. Outside, baby, outside. It was six seconds flat when we hit the sidewalk in the fresh air. I put Fran on the front seat of my car and then ran around and climbed in behind the wheel. I headed out to Sheridan Road along the lake. The cool, clean air felt good in my lungs, and I could see Fran drinking it in, realizing now how close she'd been. I didn't make her talk until we were a long way out of town. Then I pulled over to the beach side of the road and killed my motor. We, uh, seem to keep bumping into each other in the strangest places tonight. I... I guess I should say thanks. No, no, not at all. I'm the one who should say thanks. I still haven't returned your matches. Please don't make fun of me. No, I'm not. You see, I know now who you are. Charlie Dana's girl. Why don't you say it? In my book, you're just a kid I met in the park. What time is it? It's quarter to two. Then... Yes, it's probably all over by now. Like me to turn on the radio and... No. No, I don't want to hear about it. You must love him an awful lot. Love him? I despise him. Dis but still you were willing to alibi for him on a murder charge? I wasn't. I, I told him I wasn't sure of the time I was out with him, but he made me say it was the exact hour when the man was killed. Didn't you realize you might have been perjuring yourself? I didn't lie. I just didn't remember. 
It might have been like you said. When you're not sure, what else can you do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How'd you happen to get mixed up with him? I... I didn't know anybody when I first came here. I was lonesome. And he was nice to you. He was. A lot more decent than most of the men who want to take you out when you're working in a club. And why do you hate him now? I didn't know what he did. A lot of people gamble. I didn't think too much about it. Then we got to going out evenings between shows at the club on my nights off. And the killing happened when you and he were supposed to have been out someplace together? That's what he said. He wasn't arrested until a few weeks after the... the trouble. I couldn't remember if I'd been with him during that particular time or not. Well, it's all over now. You did what you had to. That's about all any of us can do. But you've got to forget about it. Put it out of your mind. There's nothing more to worry about. Oh, that's just it. You don't understand. There is. What are you talking about? He promised. He promised, and I knew he'll keep his promise. Promised what? I, I want to see him in prison. In the death house? I had to. I wanted him to understand, but he said I tricked him. What, by telling the truth on the witness stand? He said I double-crossed him. But now he, he didn't care. Why would he say that? He said he didn't care because the night he died, I would die. And I'm afraid. This was real. This was no act. The sound she made would tear you to pieces, like some pitifully frightened animal who'd lost everything in the world. I let her cry it out. After all those months of strain, she'd have to get it out of her system. He said the night he died, I'd die. Sure, sure. So you were scared. Who wouldn't be? But don't you see? That's just a cruel boast made by a cheap hoodlum who's trying to hurt you, make you feel responsible for his own plight. But he meant it. I know he did. Well, maybe he did at the time, but you've got nothing to worry about now. You had nothing to do with it. He paid for his own crime. Now he's dead. And you're still alive. He'll keep his promise. How can he? He's dead. I, I, I know you think I'm crazy. No, 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 no. But has anyone really tried to harm you? Oh, but this... This wasn't the night he was supposed to... Yes, I know. The execution was originally set for November. It was that night in November. I, I hadn't been afraid before. I thought it was like you said, because it was bitter... But all that day, I was upset. I, I told them at the club I couldn't work. And late in the afternoon, I got a note from Peggy saying, why didn't I go out to her cabin at the dunes for a couple of days? Nobody would bother me, no reporters, and I, I could get a good rest. So I, I drove out there that evening. It was quiet. Nothing around. Just empty sand dunes and her cabin all alone on the edge of the lake. I, I called Peggy at the club to let her know I got in all right. Fran, where are you calling from? Why, from your place. My apartment? No, your cabin. At the dunes? I wish swell of you, Peggy, to let me come out here. Well, of course, Franny, you're, you're welcome to use the place, but I, I don't quite know what you mean. Well, your note this afternoon telling me to come out here. I didn't write you any note. Oh, come on, Peggy, you did. You even told me where the key would be under the flower pot. But, kid, that's where we always keep it. Everybody knows that. Peggy, I... I... Now, don't worry about it, kid. One of the girls probably sent you the note and just hasn't had a chance to tell me about it yet. I should have thought of it myself no. in the first place. No, wait, Peggy. I'm scared. Well, what in the world else? You remember what I told you about what... what Charlie said the last time I saw him? Prison? It was about tonight that he said... when he died, I... Granny, now cut it before you drive yourself Peggy, back. I'm all alone and I'm scared. 
I don't know what to do. Brand new, you got to hang up right away. You shouldn't be out there all alone tonight. Get in your car and come back to town as fast as you can. I'll, I'll wait for you here. All right, Peggy. All right. I hung up the phone and ran out of the house to my car. I turned on the ignition key and stepped on the starter. It wouldn't start. My car wouldn't start. I looked at the gas gauge. Empty. Somebody had drained the gas out of my car. I got out in a panic and started toward the highway. But there was a car out there. Parked behind a big sand dune. I turned and ran back to the house. It was like some crazy, frightening nightmare. I didn't know what I was doing, but somehow I managed to get inside and lock the door. And then suddenly I was at the telephone. Operator? Operator, answer me. Operator, you've got to answer. I want the police. Operator, please help me. Someone... Operator! It was no use. The line was dead. While I was outside, someone had pulled the wires away from the wall. Crawled over to the window. Looked out to the highway. There was a car out there. Its lights were on. But as I looked, they went out. And now, I was alone. In the dark. With him out there. passed out. When I came to, it was morning, and, and Peggy was there. She and Tommy had driven out after the club closed to, to find me. But you see, you didn't die that night. But neither did he. Could have been your imagination, you know, this man in the car. No, no, no. The news about this day of execution was on the radio. The man in the car must have heard it and gone away. Did you call the police? They didn't believe me. Just because I'm a nightclub singer, they said I was trying to get publicity. How about the car not starting and the telephone being dead? According to them, my car was just out of gas, and... I must have pulled the telephone wires off the wall myself. In the panic you were in, you could have. But I didn't. I tell you, I didn't. All right, all right. Anyway, it's tonight that we're concerned with. I don't know what to do. I... I just don't know what to do. Well, if it's true, this fear you have, you've got to find it out tonight. If you don't, it'll haunt you the rest of your life. Oh, I know, I know, but how? You've got to go back to your room. Oh, no, I'm afraid. I'll be with you. Still got your gun, remember? By the way, what were you going to do with that? I... I didn't have the nerve to use it, even on myself. Well, if anything is going to happen, it'll happen tonight. Not tomorrow or any time after that, but tonight. We'll go back to your place now and wait until it's daylight. I drove Fran back to the rooming house on Erie Street. There were no lights on anywhere in the building. We tiptoed down the empty corridor to Fran's room, listened at the door a minute, and went in. The door closed all right, but it wouldn't lock. I must have sprung it when I forced the door. We settled down and waited. For what? Once I thought I heard steps on the sidewalk far out front. It was that still. And then I did hear steps, slowly coming down the hall. There's someone... in the hall. Keep it down. Outside the door. Don't move. You're 
Well, yes, I've been sitting here since you left. I'm too tired to undress. Come on, let's get out of here. Grab your coat. But Never where? mind, never mind, never mind. I'll tell you on the way. I shoved Fran out the door and we started cautiously back down the hall. We got about halfway when I grabbed her arm. The front door was opening slowly and a man made a dark silhouette against the gray light of the dawn. It was the funny man. The man with the slick, shiny hair and the permanent smile and the fast jokes. Only the smile was gone and he had a gun in his hand. Keep coming. Keep coming. We started towards him slowly. Tommy. Tommy, it was you? You who were going to kill me? You didn't know. You didn't know that I had a heart, too, just like Charlie Dana did. Tommy, you never told me. You never let me. You didn't need me. You would have laughed at me like you laughed at my jokes. It, it couldn't have been you at the dunes that night. I followed you out there. And then drove back to the club. No, Tommy, no. You were lonesome, but you didn't need me. You needed Charlie Dana. I thought if you were afraid, you'd need me. And then you were afraid, but still you didn't need me. But I'd make you need me. I'd make you. Step by step, we moved closer. Keep I could see his face twisted with jealousy and hate, his eyes wild, as though a spark might make him explode. And tonight, when you were afraid and should have needed me, you didn't. You turned to him. Tommy, please. But now you need me. Now that I have my finger on this trigger, you need me more than you've ever needed anyone in your life. You need me. You need me, Franny. You need me. Say it. Say you need me. <laughs> I, I can't shoot. I can't shoot. He started to shake and I ran forward. He grabbed his gun. Look out. Drop it, drop it. It's all right. I've got the gun. I can't. Is, is he hurt? Not to what he will be. Get up, funny man. No. Don't be too hard on him. He didn't realize. No, no, I... I guess maybe he didn't. It's funny, isn't it? You never really know what's going on in some of the best combed heads. Well, that's the way it goes. A little later than usual this morning... The day shift has already moved in and let the night crew wander off to their own private little beds. Well, at least I got to see the sun come up. And here I sit, still trying to make it all add up. But no matter how I figure it, the only answer I get is, you never know about people. <laughs> but bless them, maybe that's why we love them. See that man walking towards you with a smile on his face? What's he smiling about? Or is it just so you won't notice how he's screaming inside? <laughs> Ooh, trouble with me is I haven't had my coffee yet. Copy, boy. Nightbeat, a dramatic series stars Frank Lovejoy as Randy Stone. Nightbeat is edited by Larry Marcus and directed by Warren Lewis. Music by Frank Worth. The part of Fran was played by Joan Banks. Paul Dubov played Tommy. Others in the cast were Georgia Ellis, Ken Christie, and Carol Richards. 
Frank Lovejoy will next be seen in Milton Sperling's production, Rock Bottom, released by Warner Brothers. Listen next week at this same time and every week as Randy Stone searches through the city for the strange stories waiting for him in the darkness. The stories that come out of the shadows to find their way into Nightbeat on NBC. From February 27, 1950, as originally heard on NBC, that was Frank Lovejoy in Nightbeat. The name of that episode was Girl in the Park. November the 24th, 2020, Tuesday. That's our Tuesday drama. Sorry, uh, I had to do a little abbreviated show today. We've got a few things going on, so I didn't have as much time to spend uh, doing some background information on this show. We love Nightbeat, though, and we'll have other episodes of Nightbeat in the weeks ahead. We're going to go out tonight with a couple of songs that were sort of from the Uh, Well, at least the first one is from 1964. It's by Tom Paxton. And we're going to follow that up with a song by um, Pete Seeger. And his songs are always a lot of fun. So both of these have to do with our subject tonight of newspaper reports. All right, everybody, this is Bob Bro. I am so glad you stopped by. And I am so glad you met me. We will see you tomorrow with our mystery. Leaders are a pain in the neck Can't hold a candle to Shanghai Seg How do I know? I read it in the Daily News Band the bombers are afraid of a fight Peace hurts business and that ain't right How do I know? I read it in the Daily News Daily News, Daily Blues Pick up a copy anytime you choose Seven little pennies in the newsboy's hand And you ride right along to Never Never Land We've got the bomb Castro bombing flat He's too damn successful and we can't risk that How do I know? I read it in the Daily News There's millions of commies in the freedom fight Yelling for Lenin and civil rights How do I know? I read it in the Daily News Daily News, Daily Blues Pick up a copy anytime you choose Seven little pennies in the newsboy's hand And you ride right along to Never Never Land Well, it seems like the whole damn world's gone wrong St. Joe McCarthy is dead and gone How do I know? I read it in the Daily News 
don't try to change my mind with facts To hell with the graduated income tax How do I know? I read it in the Daily News Daily News, Daily Blues Pick up a copy any time you choose Seven little pennies in the newsboy's hand And you ride right along to Never Never Land You know John Paul Getty is just plain folks The UN Charter is a cruel hoax How do I know? I read it in the Daily News J. Edgar Hoover is the man of the hour All that he needs is just a little more power How do I know? I read it in the Daily News Daily News, Daily Blues Pick up a copy any time you choose Seven little pennies in the newsboy's hand And you ride right along to Never Never Land Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people They know the lowdown, now it can be told I'll tell you quite reliably off the record About some charming people I have known For I meet politicians and grafters by the score Killers plain and fancy, it's really quite a bore Oh, newspapermen meet such interesting people they wallow in corruption, crime and gore. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, city desk. Pull the press, pull the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess, meets the test. Oh, newspaper men meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. Now you remember Mrs. Sadie Smuggery. She wanted money to buy a new fur coat. To get insurance, she employed skullduggery. She up and cut her husband's only throat. She chopped him into fragments, she stuffed him in a trunk. She shipped it all back yonder to her uncle in Podunk. Now newspaper men meet such interesting people. It must have startled poor old Sadie's unk. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, city desk. Hold the press, hold the press. Extra, extra, read all about it. It's a mess, meets the test. Oh, newspaper men meet such interesting people. It's wonderful to represent the press. Now, newspaper men meet such interesting people. I've met the gal with million-dollar knees. Also the guy who sat up on a steeple Just where the point was I could never see Yes, I've met Capone and Hoover and lots of other fakes I've even met a genius who swallows rattlesnakes Now newspaper men meet such interesting people Like the richest girl who could not bake a cake Ding-ling, ding-ling, ling-ling, ling Now newspaper men are such interesting people they used to work like hell just for romance But finally the movies notwithstanding They all got tired of patches on their pants They organized a union to get a living wage They joined with other actors upon a living stage Now newspaper men are such interesting people when they know they've got a people's fight to wage Ting-a-ling-a-ling newspaper guild Got a free new world to build Meet the people, that's a thrill All together fits the bill Oh, newspaper men are such interesting people It's wonderful to represent the guild Now, publishers are such interesting people 
Their policy is an acrobatic thing. They claim to represent the common people. It's funny, Wall Street never has complained. Ah, but publishers have worries, for publishers must go to working folks for readers and to big shots for their dough. Now, publishers are such interesting people. It could be prostitution, I don't know. Ting-a-ling-a-ling, circulation, ting-a-ling-a-ling, advertising, get those readers, get that payoff. What a headache, what a mess. Oh, publishers are such interesting people. Let's give free cheers for freedom of the press. (laughs) 